Hello and thank you for joining us. How have you been? You are listening to My Surrogacy Journey, the podcast season three. I'm Wes and we're talking everything about surrogacy in the USA. I'm Michael, a dad to two through UK surrogacy and an ambassador and fertility advocate. We have a fabulous sponsor for season three podcast. It's Manchester Fertility. They were founded in 1985 and have an exceptional team of fertility doctors, nurses, embryologists and patient support staff. Manchester Fertility remains one of the leading fertility clinics in the country to date, delivering more than 8,000 babies, which is an amazing amount. Imagine working and helping create 8,000 babies. For intended parents seeking surrogacy support, Manchester Fertility is My Surrogacy Journey's Northern and Midlands Centre of Excellence. We really love working with Manchester Fertility and the team. Offering surrogacy advice and fertility treatment options for gay, bi, queer and trans men and heterosexual singles and couples, helping them to navigate their way through their surrogacy journey. So welcome back to part two. We are joined by Brian Klein, Shelley Marsh and uh, Jessica Williams from Family Source. Let's continue where we left off. What a great part one it was. And if you're considering surrogacy in, in the United States, this is the podcast to listen to. So let's talk about a really important one. And I'm glad, Brian, we've got you here. So like, what should you consider when choosing an attorney? Now, obviously, you should always consider choosing Brian. Brian but, obviously. But as a, as a general rule, give us some advice on, you know, how, how people should choose their attorney and what things they should consider. Yeah, well, I actually think it'll be interesting because I think all three of us are going to have a different perspective on this because each of us deals with lawyers in our own way. But from my perspective, when you're choosing a lawyer, obviously the first thing you're looking at is experience. You want to have somebody that has some experience handling surrogacy, probably is something that they focus on either exclusively or a majority of their work because the nature of what happens when the lawyers get involved is this process is a lot of hurry up and wait. And so by the time you reach the lawyers, we are the very last step Mm -hmm. and you want us to move efficiently. So a lot of us lawyers that practice in this field are always ready to draft your agreements, always ready to get your court orders and do so in a timely manner so that we don't become the reason that this process takes longer than it should. So that's one, I think, major focus is that 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 law firm has a lot of experience and they are staffed uh, in such a way that you are not going to experience massive delays in hiring that particular lawyer. I think also just practically speaking, cost is going to be a factor. Yeah, There can be substantial differences in the cost. And so you should definitely talk to more than one lawyer to explore what the options are and what services that they provide. And then I think the third is to make sure that they're comfortable working in a jurisdiction that either you you are located or your egg donor gestational carrier are located because different lawyers are going to have different comfort levels working in a particular state or location. And so making sure that uh, that partner of yours is willing to work in that location is going to be useful. Perfectly nailed, as I would have expected. Um, but but let's just quickly ask Shelley and Jess, do you have any differences in, in that answer? Uh, Shelley, let's come to you. No, I think, of course, Brian always nails it. And he's my first recommendation always. Um, I just feel like, yes, meet as many as you can. You don't know what your options are until you speak with them. Somebody could look really great on their website and have amazing reviews listed at the bottom of their website. But you meet with them on a Zoom call and maybe you don't feel... The connection. Yep. Um, a lot of, I think, surrogacy is 
the relationship you have with these individual people. Um, so it's good to have somebody who communicates in the same style as you, or at least in a style that you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. I think cost is a huge factor. I know there's a few law firms out there who are substantially more expensive than others. So really understanding what all the costs actually are and making sure it fits within your budget. Um, and I do think obviously where you live, where the surrogate lives is super important. And from a surrogate's perspective, it's having an attorney who really has her back and supports her and advocates for her, not only in the legal contract, but throughout the pregnancy, if anything arises, because there's nothing worse than being in a relationship with an attorney who lets you down or doesn't advocate for you, which can have serious ramifications later. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Thank you. Great advice. Jessica. Oh gosh, these two have um, so eloquently said everything that was kind of top (laughs) of my list. I mean, the only thing that I could possibly add is, as Shelly has said, which is completely spot on, is you know so much of your your surrogacy journey is about building up your team, building up your community, and so you know make sure that whatever whatever, and this isn't just for lawyers, but it's, you know, whichever lawyer you're speaking to, whichever clinic you're speaking to, whichever agency you're speaking to, you don't necessarily have to have people who have worked together before, Mm -hmm. but it's always a fantastic recommendation. It's always nice to know that they have a pre-existing relationship and you can usually get a really good sense of how people work if they have good relationships. And Brian said, for example, it's a lot of hurry up and wait. So if you're thinking about working with a lawyer, ask around, make sure that they're going to be, that they have been responsive before and that they're not, you know, that that they're not letting their intended parents or their surrogates kind of linger checking emails day after day to to see a response. What you really want to be doing is, is building up this wonderful team that's going to take so much of the burden off of you. So if you can get a team together, that works well together. I think that's really key. The only other thing that I would add for particularly as this podcast is for mostly UK listeners or international intended parents is it's not completely necessary, but it's always great to work with lawyers who have that international experience. Now, obviously your US attorney is going to be focused on the US side, but it's always helpful if they have an understanding of the legal aspects of what's going to happen back in the UK or whatever country you're bringing your child back to, particularly if there's anything that needs to be included or potentially excluded from the U.S. uh, contract in order to make sure that it's abiding by the legal limitations of your home country. So again, it's not required that they have that international experience, but it's certainly nice to have and something to maybe keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, no, that's great advice, actually. It is. And Shelley, let's let's talk about, you know, you're an experienced surrogate. How should intended parents approach managing the relationship with their surrogate? You know, I think it's a a really integral part of the journey and one that is going to mean the difference between a smooth journey or potentially not. What what are those kind of things that you would you would recommend to intended parents about how they should manage their journey with their surrogate? I think they should come in being as honest and unapologetically themselves as possible. Um, you want to be solid with, if you have a partner, what your wishes are for the relationship with this woman, what your criteria might be for the way she eats, the way she behaves, the way she communicates with people. Um, you have to go in knowing exactly what you want this person to look like, be like, sound like, and you're never going to check all the boxes. But I think if you can come in with a very clear understanding of what you expect of this person in the process, um, what, how much communication you want, how much, if you have any weird 
dietary restrictions or anything you want to add to the legal contract, do that at the beginning. Get all the awkward, weird, hard conversations out of the way as quickly as possible with the help of some amazing attorneys. Um, because there are certain things that I don't think an intended parent and a surrogate should talk about, money being one of them. That should never be a conversation between a surrogate and the intended parents. Let's let the attorneys handle that. Let's keep the relationship with the surrogate very personable and warm and wholesome. Um, you want her to feel supported. You don't want her to feel micromanaged or like you're judging her for any part of the process when really she oftentimes comes to this with very genuine ambitions to help you have a family. And I don't think there's a version of reality where surrogates are ever going to be compensated enough for the danger and the risk they put themselves through to help make somebody else a parent. So the least you can do is respect her and support her and treat her as an equal part of the process because without her, none of this is possible. So the more you can just appreciate what she brings to the table and trust that she's been pregnant before. She knows what she's doing and making you a parent is going to be one of the highlights of her life for the rest of her life. Yeah. I think you just said it all there. I got goose pimples when you finished yeah. that. And, that, and that's like true from the heart from a surrogate herself. You know, that, that, that's like really great advice. One thing to add to that though, is what I would say is that some people come into surrogacy in the US because it's commercial with this view that surrogates in the US are doing it just for the money or they're doing it just for the compensation. Well, and I, I don't even need to ask you this, uh, Shelley, but ultimately surrogates in the US are doing it primarily to help people in an altruistic nature, to help people create a family, just as you, you've said that. What I tell intended parents in the UK is that, yes, it is commercial, but it's done altruistically. And there's just this great infrastructure to recognize uh, the elements that surrogates have done in the US, the structure's there. The fee element is yeah. there. It yeah, exists. Absolutely. Yeah, I do think, I mean, the compensation is hugely generous. And I think that surrogates are mostly motivated by the altruistic nature of surrogacy, but the compensation is a huge kind of encouraging factor. Mm -hmm. I mean, most women who are surrogates are usually under 36 years old. I became a mom at 21 years old. Not my smartest move, but she's the cutest kid I've ever seen, <laughs> which gave me the opportunity to help so many families because I was younger. Mm -hmm. And the financial boost that surrogacy was able to provide to me and my family set us down a path that we might not have had otherwise. Yeah, sure. So while we did do this amazing thing and I brought five children into this world for other people, it also allowed me to give my children a life that maybe they wouldn't have had otherwise, or take a little bit of stress off of us so that we can enjoy our families a little bit more, all for our contribution to these amazing journeys that helped create families around the world. Amazing. Amen to that. Absolutely. Okay, let's look at uh, choosing your agency then. So if you're not uh, and my surrogacy journey member and you're you know you haven't seen a wonderful directory and you may be starting this journey and listening to this podcast just for some tidbits of information um jess where do you even begin picking a team of professionals to help you from an agency perspective it can be incredibly overwhelming mm -hmm. um you know if you just hop onto Google and search U.S. surrogacy agencies, like, you know, <laughs> the list can be overwhelming. So 
starting with a place like my surrogacy journey, who has those relationships, has kind of those, those vetted people who know what they're doing is, is a great start. But if you are not a my surrogacy journey member, just start reading. There's a lot of information out there on different agencies, who's connected to who reviews, start contacting them. You know, I think the best advice that I can ever give an intended parent is this is going to be your team. As we keep saying, this is going to be your community. So make sure you are working with somebody who you like. Your agency is going to be a part of your life for even in the best case scenario, 18 months, probably two years. So reach out to, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say reach out to like 30 because then you're just going to get incredibly overwhelmed, but reach out to the ones that have really good reviews. Look at look at social media, look at what people are saying, and then talk to people. In, unless you are working with somebody like, like you guys with my surrogacy journey, I would never recommend you only go with the first agency or the first clinic or the first lawyer that you speak with, because you want to be able to make, to feel confident that, that they're people that you like, they're people that you trust and respect and are going to be responsive and are the best fit for you. And while, you know, for me, I speak to a lot of incredible people and I would love to help each and every one, but I know that family source consultants is maybe not the best fit for every intended parent, depending on their expectations and what they're anticipating from a journey, you know, so all I can say is do your research, get recommendations um, and speak to other people in your team. If you already have a clinic, talk to your clinic about who they've worked with and who they would recommend. If you have friends, family, people that you follow on Instagram, reach out to them to get recommendations. There's so many different points of view and perspectives out there that mm -hmm. can, that can help narrow your focus. Perfect. Yeah. Great advice. It, Love is, that. it is. So you know, surrogacy in the States, you know, the healthcare system in the States, insurance plays a big part in that, doesn't it? You know, it, it's a fundamental part of it and having the right level of cover to give you what you need to manage through your journey. Jess, would you kind of just give us a brief overview of the types of or the levels of insurance that are needed to facilitate a, a surrogacy journey? You can't see me because my video is off, but I'm laughing because this is one of the most challenging parts of helping educate intended parents because it is so complicated. As I like to say, the U.S. healthcare system and U.S. insurance system is about as clear as mud. Um, as a fun little anecdote, when I so I'm originally from the U.S., but I've lived in the U.K. since I was 22. So the U.S. insurance system was kind of unfamiliar to me as well. My brother-in-law works for one of the biggest health insurance companies in the US. And so when I was doing, when I was starting my journey, I sat down with him for hours to try and understand the insurance system and, and how it came out. It was, let's just say I, I needed a big glass of something after that conversation. <laughs> um, but there's a few things to, to keep in mind. So obviously over in the UK, we all have the wonderful national health service and the NHS, um, which just makes our lives usually a lot easier. That does not happen in the U.S. So for us, there's kind of three different categories that um, our surrogates usually fall into. So they are either insured and have insur a health insurance plan through their own employer or through a partner's employer, which is what we call surrogacy friendly. So that covers a lot of the um, required medical procedures for a pregnancy if that pregnancy is a surrogacy pregnancy. Now, of course, it's more complicated than that because a U.S. insurer will not start paying for that 
coverage until a certain threshold has been met, which is called the annual out-of-pocket maximum. It's a lot more complicated than that, but basically even with a a quote-unquote surrogacy-friendly insurance, intended parents can expect to pay a little bit towards the surrogate's health care coverage for her pregnancy. I'm, Category I'm, I'm two. following so far. I'm following so Sorry, far. Sorry, I was about to say, start with, you're on video, so start waving your hands if it's, if it's getting too complicated. <laughs> <laughs> this is usually the point where intended parents are like scribbling, like scribbling <laughs> furiously. So the, the second kind of category of surrogates are those who have that healthcare plan, but it is not surrogacy friendly. So therefore it will not cover a surrogacy pregnancy, usually because that is considered elective or something like that. I mean, in that case, most pregnancies are elective, but that's neither here nor there. So in that case, if that surrogate has that insurance, but her plan does not cover a surrogacy pregnancy, intended parents can either purchase kind of like an add-on package Mm -hmm. or a new policy for her, usually through um, open enrollment. And that leads us nicely on to the third category, which is a surrogate who does not come with healthcare package already, either because her employer doesn't offer one, um, if she has a spouse, her spouse doesn't have one, you know, there are various reasons why somebody would not have insurance. And again, a policy would need to be purchased for her by the intended parents. Now, obviously, if category two and category three, if a if insurance package, either as an add-on or a whole new policy needs to be purchased, it's at higher cost to intended parents. So that's certainly something, you know, kind of going back to what we talked about before in terms of budget, that's something that intended parents need to consider. The costs of those insurance options can vary greatly. If you need to buy a new package or a new insurance plan, it can be between $15,000 I mean, the most expensive ones can be up to 30,000 US dollars. So there is quite a variety. And that's just something as intended parents are beginning their journey and looking at their budget, what something that they need to consider, because obviously that's a really important matching criteria. And that's one of the things that a good agency should be should be checking with you on, because that's going to be, you know, that's not a small portion of your budget. That That can be a pretty significant impact. So we want to make sure we're matching you with the right surrogate. So I hope that ex- explanation made sense as much as it can in a short period of time. It did. And, it did. and then so from a, from another insurance point of view, I believe we've got newborn insurance as well, which we also need to consider in the general insurance yeah. kind of So sphere. there's insurance of pregnancy and then insurance of babies and the that, that process, correct? Exactly. Now, Insurance for your surrogate, the maternal health insurance, should be for any good agency absolutely required. Um, you want your surrogate to be protected. You don't want to be out of pocket. She doesn't want, you know, any complications like that. Newborn insurance, depending on your agency, is not required, but it is certainly something that I would 100% always recommend. There are different options available depending on what you, as the intended parents, are looking looking to um, insure yourselves and your baby against. But basically, as soon as your baby is born, even if your surrogate has health, well, your surrogate will have health care, but regardless of where that health care comes from, as soon as your baby is born, they are not and should not be covered by your surrogate. So there are newborn insurance 
options for international intended parents to cover the cost of the hospital stay. Ideally, they include well baby care. So for example, once your baby has been discharged from the hospital, usually in the US, they have a 24 hour wellness check at the hospital and then, um, then, then they're discharged. But you'll be able to see pediatricians, You'll probably have to stay in the U.S. for a few weeks while all the paperwork is sorted out. And I know we're going to talk about that later. But while that's happening, you'd want your baby to have insurance just in case they were to fall ill. They would need, you know, some additional care while you're there. So it's a great idea to, to have newborn insurance. In terms of cost, at the moment, there's a few different providers. So the lowest cost is usually about $7,000 for a package. But again, it can it can always go up. Uh, and, and I think those types of numbers, again, are what we're certainly hearing from speaking to some of those brokers that we all know and, and, and speak to and help intended parents. Um, I know newborn insurance has, has, has been problematic in the past in terms of some of those premiums can be astronomical, particularly for multiples, which I know has, has, yes. has been a challenge for intended parents in, in recent years. Absolutely. And certainly if you are considering multiples, just be aware that the options are, are fewer in terms of the providers who have insurance options for, you know, for multiples. The costs are significantly more, you know, so if for one provider, for example, if you're looking at ins newborn insurance for multiples, you could be looking at $30,000 upwards. However, what I also caution intended parents who are trying to consider whether or not newborn insurance is worth purchasing is that if one baby has to spend one single night in the NICU in an American hospital, that one night alone could be more than thirty thousand U.S. dollars. So yes, the cost the cost of insurance is high, but the cost of potentially not insuring your baby is even higher. Yeah. So it is something I would absolutely recommend mm -hmm. budgeting for. Absolutely. We absolutely agree with you. It's it's one of those situations you absolutely don't want to be in, and and being prepared by having the relevant level of coverage is absolutely it's essential. Key. Absolutely key. So let's fast forward, you know, everything's gone smoothly, your baby has been born and it's recognizing the state and you're preparing to travel home. Brian, how should intended parents, and I know that, you know, you're not an expert in UK legals, but what should intended parents do from a preparation point of view to start thinking about returning back to their destination and starting to think about legal status in their home country? I think... All of the questions that relate to what the process looks like back at home, hopefully have been planned for and addressed from the beginning, because it will always be my advice that you talk to your attorney very early on in your home country so that you know what to expect and to ensure that when you arrive back home, you're not going to run into any unexpected issues as it relates to registering the baby. But usually what's going to happen uh, no matter where you're from, is we're first going to get you your court order. So that's either going to be the pre-birth order or the post-birth order or some combination of both, depending on the state. Then you're going to use that birth order to get your birth certificate. Once you have your birth certificate, you're going to apply for the passport. And once you have your passport, you can travel home. And depending on your home country, you might be able to go to your home consulate and get permission to travel with the child through that uh, means or you may begin to register the baby 
uh, in the United States at your home consulate, or you just travel back home on the U.S. passport and take care of the registration back home. This is where the, you know, the U.S. lawyer's handoff is complete. Once you've exited the country, you're going to be working with your migration attorney or your attorney back in your home country to finalize the process of establishing your parental rights if that's necessary. That's right, Brian. And like you say, we would advocate for having uh, independent legal advice prior to you starting your journey so you understand all of your immigration status as well as your legal process for returns. And what is also worth pointing out is we have a specific episode dedicated to that legal return process, the parental border and, uh, you know, the immigration elements. So I, it's too much to get into this episode, so we did yeah, this one whole specifically other for that. Yeah, so check that one out as well. This has been a mammoth of a, of, of a two-parter. So I think, unless, Wes, there's anything else that you wanted to cover, we have ticked everything off that checklist of what you need to consider as an intended parent embarking on surrogacy in the USA. It is. And remember to the listener, like, this, is, this is kind of a real snapshot of some of the real mm-hmm crucial bits this is not by any means a definitive answer to all of your questions there's lots more information that you need to take on we've given you just a flavor thank you to all of you out there you know brian shelley jess for for being so patient on this it has been a mammoth uh, episode but there is so much to take in on particular you know a u.s journey it's and been really valuable it's been really valuable so thank you for your patience thank you for getting up early it's uh <laughs> we it's, do it's appreciate appreciated. it um take care and have a wonderful rest of your week and thanks for joining us on my surrogacy journey the podcast thank you don't forget, if you need your podcast fixed, we're back every Monday, proudly sponsored by Manchester Fertility, a leading fertility clinic for over 35 years of experience building families for people within the LGBTQ plus community. If you want to find out more about My Surrogacy Journey, then please head over to our website, mysurrogacyjourney.com or find us on Instagram, official My Surrogacy Journey. And if you like this episode, then please subscribe to the series. We'll have another episode coming out weekly. Thank you for listening. We have been your My Surrogacy Journey podcast hosts. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.